When the Hubble Space Telescope was launched in 1990, our understanding of what was out in space was fundamentally shifted. In addition to taking some of the most beautiful photos of space, the Hubble Space Telescope helped us approximate the age of the universe and the rate at which it expands. The discovery of thousands of exoplanets, which are planets that are not a part of our solar system, can also be credited to the Hubble Space Telescope. But in 2021, another telescope was launched, and along with it, the same aspirations of revelation, anticipation, and discovery. The James Webb Space Telescope is the modern era of telescopes, capable of uncovering more of the vast universe. On today's discussion on the sidelines, we explore what this telescope is and what it may mean for the future. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about the James Webb Space Telescope is Mitchell Kernell, a PhD candidate for mechanical engineering at McGill University, a former intern with NASA, and one of our Science for Everyone researchers. Thanks for joining us, Mitchell. Thank you for having me. So I'm very interested because, you know, the Hubble Space Telescope is such a huge deal. And I feel like this is the first large telescope that we've really put out into space again since then. So what is this James Webb Space Telescope and what even makes it so special? Could you tell us a little bit more about this telescope? For sure. The James Webb Space Telescope, interestingly enough, it's been in the works since about 1989 was the first time that the concept for the telescope was first kind of introduced. And it's tasked with the very interesting goal of trying to see the earliest light in our universe. So we're talking about things that appeared about 500 million years after the Big Bang, kind of the first stars to form, the first galaxies to form. We haven't been able to see that with Hubble, and hopefully we'll be able to see that with James Webb. Wow, that's very cool. So basically just trying to be, I guess, I suppose a stronger telescope than the Hubble Space Telescope, and also, I guess, trying to peer a little bit deeper into the origins of the universe. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's able to gather a lot more light than Hubble. It has a much larger primary mirror. It's about six and a half meters in diameter, so it's a really big telescope that they're putting up there. And it looks into the infrared part of the light spectrum, so it'll be able to see a different form of light than Hubble was able to see, and that allows us to look a little bit further back. So the Hubble Space Telescope is probably the other well-known telescope, and obviously this is the newer one, the James Webb. So what would you say is the biggest difference between the James Webb Space Telescope and the Hubble Space Telescope? Like, What makes it so more impressive as a new project that NASA has been undertaking? The first major difference between the two is where they're located. So the Hubble Space Telescope is in low Earth orbit, meaning that it's about 500 kilometers away from Earth's surface. The James Webb Space Telescope is at a point called Lagrange Point 2 for the Moon-Earth moon system. That's a point about 1.5 million kilometers away from Earth, past the Moon. And this is a really important point to be because it allows the Earth to stay in between James Webb and the Sun, meaning that it's able to get a lot cooler. So some of the instruments on James Webb require temperatures that are close to absolute zero to function properly. The heat generated by these instruments, if they weren't cooled properly, would actually interfere with the measurements it's making. That's how precise James Webb is. Another main difference that we kind of talked about a little bit was that Hubble worked primarily in ultraviolet and visible light. 
whereas James Webb will work in visible, near IR, and mid-infrared light. And that just allows it to see different types of things in the universe. So like I said, that its primary goal is to see the earliest objects in the universe. So it needs that infrared capability to see that light. Hmm, I see. So just by, you know, the visible light is the very, very narrow spectrum by which we are able to see with the human eye. But, you know, these telescopes need to be able to see a much larger range if we want to take on the the huge task of, you know, seeing further into the origins of the universe, I suppose. That's very cool. And I think it's crazy that, you know, it's even the, this new telescope is even past the moon. That's, I, I didn't even know that, um, that that was where telescopes are optimally placed. So that's very cool to know. Yeah. And it actually led to some interesting engineering challenges for James Webb with Hubble, you know, 500 kilometers away, that's about the same height as the International Space Station. So there have been multiple missions where astronauts have flown out to Hubble, done repair work on it, or upgraded different instruments and oh, sent right. it back on its way. We can't do that with James Webb. So they had to build a spacecraft that is robust enough to live out there without any human intervention for its entire lifetime. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that, I can see how that's much more difficult uh, in terms of, you know, trying to create something that has a lot more longevity. You, you don't have the luxury of just fixing it whenever you can. And also just sending something into space is incredibly expensive in the first place. So yeah, I totally get that. Well, wow. yeah. So space is increasingly becoming a group effort. And, you know, we know that NASA is a part of this project. And, you know, since the space race between the U.S. and the USSR, uh, a lot of things have progressed in terms of more collaboration. So I was wondering how many countries were a part of this project and, you know, what might the future of space look like with all of these countries working together? Yeah, so James Webb was a partnership between NASA as kind of the main agency leading this. The Canadian Space Agency also built a couple instruments for this satellite, and the European Space Agency helped out with providing the launch vehicle for this mission. Um, so the European Space Agency is made up of most European countries, and then Canada, and then the US, obviously, as the kind of lead on this project. I think one of the most exciting things that's happening in space is the introduction of commercial companies. So since the space race, it's been countries that have launched these projects. It's been governments. But now we're seeing people like SpaceX, people like OneWeb, who are kind of making space more accessible to everyday people. So it'll be interesting to see how the kind of the privatization of space almost progresses and what laws will have to be passed in order to make sure that space is developed in a sustainable manner. But on the side of international collaboration, the International Space Station has been pretty well constantly habitated by people from all across the world. And that's an environment where if collaboration breaks down, you're going to have people's lives at risk. So I think the challenges that space imposes require people to work together regardless of their background because the stakes are so high if something goes wrong. Well, that's, that is very interesting. And I agree with you that, that commercial uh, space travel becoming popular and, and the privatization of, of space in general has, you know, definitely led to a lot more companies coming up and, you know, even SpaceX got a, 
uh, a grant or at least a partnership with NASA as well. And, you know, who, who knows where that can take us. And I, I, I really like that the prospect that, you know, the average human being maybe one day could just buy a ticket and go into space. That, that does seem like a cool prospect. Would you, would you take that ticket if you were ever given the opportunity? Absolutely. Somebody, <laughs> if somebody out there listening wants to give me a ticket on a rocket right now, I'm there tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I love the idea of commercial space companies working in concert with governmental agencies. And NASA has mm -hmm. talked about this, that, you know, low earth orbit, they figured out how to do it. Now other companies are building off of their success and they're basically saying, Hey, SpaceX, Hey, Boeing, Hey, all of those other companies we're working with, you guys are going to be in charge of low earth orbit. We're interested in exploring further now. So we're going to get to Mars. We're going to go beyond Mars and it's kind of, divvying up the load so that we can get even more done in space with our resources that we have available. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Awesome. And, you know, this telescope being a new one and, you know, the first one we've had in decades, uh, you know, there, this must have been a substantial investment and, you know, must be worth everybody's time. So I was just wondering how strong is this telescope exactly? Like what, what, have it, what are its goals? We talked a little bit about how we can image further, but is it also trying to do other things like find new planets? Is it also trying to do things like find new galaxies? Like really what is the scope or the goal of this new telescope and how powerful uh, is it in, in those regards and completing their tasks? Yeah, it's, it's hard to explain how powerful this telescope is. Uh, for our listeners, what I would recommend is there's a lot of great videos that NASA have posted of old telescopes imaging a part of the sky, and it kind of just looks like blotchy. You can kind of make out some bright dots in there that are stars, and then you see an image that James Webb has taken, and it's not even fully up and running yet, and it's night and day, the difference in, I guess you could call it the resolution of these images, but other than looking for those first objects that have happened... That gets us into kind of understanding where the universe came from and how it evolved. And even if we could use that information to infer where the universe is going and how it's going to continue to evolve. But also, like you said, exoplanets are one of the goals for, for James Webb. And exoplanets are just planets that exist outside of our own solar system. So James Webb has some instruments on it that'll be able to look at the atmospheres of exoplanets and try and figure out if they have the possibility of harboring life on them. So it'll be able to look at the elemental compositions, and if it looks somewhat like Earth's atmosphere, then there might be life living there. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And, you know, these, these are all very cool things, and, you know, uh, if we can find life-bearing planets or at least planets that are suitable for life or if we can find the origins of the, of the universe these all seem like very cool things but you know a lot of things related to space have happened billions of years ago or are like millions of light years away so i just wanted to ask why do we actually put telescopes in space i i do think all of the information we get is so cool but the information we get seems so like apart or or so far away from anything actual actually tangible or something that we can put to use like in the next year or something like that even if we found a life-bearing planet it's not like we could go there uh it, given our resources right now so why do we put telescopes in space it takes so much money it takes so many resources what do you think it's the big purpose we do this for yeah i really love this question and i love when people ask it to me and you're right the immediate benefits that we 
think we see day to day, you know, pictures of galaxies are cool, but how does that help me out in my daily life? And what has happened from the development of space is we've gotten so many technologies that have trickled down to our everyday lives. Like, did you use Google Maps today to get around? If so, you have space mm. to thank for that because we sent up right. satellites to set up GPS units. And my research, for example, is focusing on space robotics. The advances that we've made in robotics for space have trickled down to help build better robots here on Earth. And as we were talking about at the beginning, that space is such a huge en engineering challenge. When you solve those problems for space, a ton of people who are really smart notice that, hey, we also have a very similar problem here on Earth. So let's figure out a way that we can incorporate this. Um, one of my favorite examples is when the space shuttle program was happening, they noticed that if we land the space shuttle and it's raining outside, this thing is coming in very fast. It might run off the runway or it might lose control and kind of skid off of the runway. So they developed, I mean, the idea of putting little strips in the, the pavement, like cutting out little parallel sections to help guide the tires in a straight direction. And if you look on some highways that we have, they took that same idea and put it into highways to help cars stay in a straight line, especially in areas that have worse weather conditions. So it's even kind of everyday things that you would never think of originated from space are just permeating through our daily lives now. Mm, that's really awesome because it just really shows the proof that maybe we're taking for granted some of the discoveries that space has have given us here, right here on Earth. I think that's really awesome. Kind of poetic as well, right? We spend all this money to see what's out there, but at the same time, we're making our lives here on Earth much better at the same time. For sure. And I mean, from a budgetary side, the money that we spend on space isn't all that much. Like James Webb costs just shy of $10 billion. But if you think about what other like defense spending budgets are going right. at, for example, like this is kind of a drop in the bucket compared to that. That's true. That's that's absolutely fair. And and since everything you said, like, you know, it's it's the cool things like new discovering new galaxies and seeing the birth of the universe, or at least as close as we can, and also the technologies we get on Earth. I, I think that's a very worthwhile investment then. That's a very good point. I would definitely agree with you. Well, thanks so much for all your insights and all the information, not only on the James Webb Space Telescope, but also just space in general and all the investments and technologies that come from it. It was really awesome to hear everything you had to share. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. And thank you again for tuning in. And remember to subscribe for more conversations and some insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting your world. If you want to learn more about space or any of the other topics we've talked about on the show, visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at Sci for Everyone, and on our website at www.scienceforeveryone.ca. On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Sam Marchetti, Connor McLean, June Kim, and Thaneshwari Rajendran. On the Sidelines is sponsored by the University of Toronto's Student Engagement Grant.